You're listening to Banter with the Boys. Talking all things sports. From betting and brawls, Super Bowl to Stanley Cup Finals. Get laced up. It's time for Banter with the Boys. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Rinkside Chirps. I'm your host Kevin. This week we've got Smelty back, but also the infamous Kyle has returned from the sickness. Kyle, how you doing buddy? Feeling way better. Uh, if you guys haven't been to Vegas before, you guys should check it out. It's a hell of a time there. I, I had a blast, but got sick, unfortunately, but very excited to be back on. Was that your first time in Vegas? It was my first time in Vegas, yes. Oh, okay, okay. Funny fact, uh, well... Not a funny. It's kind of sad, actually. Uh, I haven't been on a plane in nine years. Oh, <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not a. I'm not a good flyer. So. Uh oh. Um, I had a uh, couple drinks before at six in the morning. Our oh. flight was at six in the morning. Oh boy. So uh, I got a couple couple drinks in me, and takeoff was was way better. So. Really? Because I because I hate heights. Because I I, I, I was, like heights. I was on a plane to Vegas actually once too. Lit up. Oh, you know what? That was after a night of partaking in, sure. in extracurriculars sure. and then got on the plane just yeah no okay yeah, okay no, I got i'm you. not a good flyer but yeah, with alcohol fair. it's it's a lot better that's well for sure <laughs> i know we're happy to have you back Thank um you. we pulled it off somehow last week without you but um can't wait to hear your takes i got some good some good good ones coming all right so First game of the two-game week for the Wild was the home opener and season opener for the Wild. It was the Florida Panthers at home for Minnesota. Game ended up as a 2-0 shutout for the Wild. Philip Gustafson, outstanding showing in game one. Kyle, what did you see? I saw Gus Bus um, playing out of his mind. You know, 41 saves against a tough Florida Panther team. Cup contender team, by the way. Uh, he was very impressive. He looked very comfortable. Uh, poised. He made some... Sp- you know, spectacular saves, I thought. Um, in my opinion, I thought the Wild came out pretty flat season opener. Um, but, you know, it's it's game one, so I, I can expect that a little bit. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, Gus was ridiculous. I mean, they'd get an odd man rush. You're kind of expecting it, and Gus would just stonewall them. I mean, he, he played out of his mind. You're absolutely correct. Um, I know... For me, one of the things I noticed um, against Florida was the play of uh, Faber. I was um, I was curious to see if he would uh, kind of show us what he showed us in the in the playoffs a little bit. And obviously, he was really green to the NHL in the playoffs. So, we, but we needed his help, and he still made a small difference in the playoffs. And now you're kind of I guess what I'm saying is I was looking for him to repeat that and or take another step forward, which I think he has. Um, the way he, as weird as this sounds, the way he controls his body on the ice um, and then uses his body to give him an advantage uh, mixed with his with his speed and actually his puck handling skills. It reminds me a little bit of Kev's guy Dumba. Um you know, I think Faber could maybe give us a little bit of an offensive jolt as well. Yeah, 100%. He's, you know what, in the playoffs, I thought he was, I thought he was fantastic in the playoffs. Uh, he Plug and play. Like, he's he's that good. Go for captain. Uh, I, I mean, from the first two games, especially against Florida, like, 
his gap control is ridiculous. Like what I've noticed more is now that he's with Brodeen, you know, he, I like, this is, let's just talk about, um, before Faber, it was Dumba and Brodeen. I think my, my biggest question was, you know, why, why is Brodeen like, I want to see Brodeen jump up in the play a lot because he's probably one of the best skaters Oh, like best in my opinion, bro. I I put Brody in as probably one of the best defensive skaters. Just watch him skate. Like it, he's so smooth and eff- <laughs> it's smooth and effortless. No, I, effortless. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. No, yep. but what I'm saying is, I my biggest question was why didn't Brody jump up in the play before? Because I think Dumba got you know gets too excited. Sometimes he jumps up in the play, pinch, has pinches you know gets too aggressive and Brodeen kind of stays back a little bit more but now you put in Faber his speed his awareness um in my opinion I think Faber and Brodeen are the best defensive pairing in the NHL that's my hot take that's that's, my hot take that's we're we're taking a half that's that's my that's my hot take (laughs) this is game I know it's game two but watching this is game one no we're (laughs) talking about game one okay but we're gonna talk about two games Right now, but Faber and Brodeen, in my opinion, are one of the best, if not the best, uh, defensive pairs in the NHL. Damn. And by the way, so I'm I think... keep an eye on for the season. I, I think, yes. I think Brock Faber and Brodeen are probably the best tandem in Minnesota Wild history. Holy Write sh- that down. Wow. So, best tandem in Minnesota Wild 100%, history. 100%. Yes. Yes. It's not do you, Do you remember Brent Burns and Nick Schultz at all? Hardly. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I remember Brent Burns oh, and Nick Schultz. Damn. Nick Schultz was—he was all right, but like he wasn't special. I, in my opinion, he was a bottom six guy. You know, he was—he was good. He was okay when he needed to be good. He—he he didn't stand out. What was his point? To, I, I don't even know his career stats. Um, but favor, well, you mean, know, he—he he scored. He, I mean, his wrist shot against Bobrovsky this game—it was a snipe. It was a snipe, and it was a wrist shot. It was a low hard shot off the post. I honestly think Brock Faber and Brodeen are the best tandem in Minnesota Wild history. We should be excited. Okay. that's. I mean, that's fair. I mean, and you can't deny Brock's offensive uh, abilities. I mean, you saw it at the, at the Minnesota, or, <laughs> wow, at the University of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, he would do the same thing there. So, mm-hmm. uh, lucky, lucky for us, Minnesota fans, we're used to seeing it, and now yep. it's now he's translating it to the nhl speed of and, the game and i didn't watch gopher I, I watched a lot of hockey because when we acquired Faber in the kevin fiala deal i was watching you know i got more interested in the gophers because of Faber. Uh, and to be honest i didn't know what we were getting like it, people were talking about when we were about to trade fiala we a lot of people had the devils as the target and targeting one of their top forward prospects. I didn't think we would get a defensive prospect, but I think that's because they knew, you know, Garen knew that I think Dumba was going to be out the door in the next, you know, season. So that's why I think they made the move for a really good prospect like Brock Faber. One more, one more little tidbit yeah. on Brock Faber, and then if you have anything to add on Brock, go ahead, Kev. Sorry, we're just, just kind of. No, you're good. Right. We're I, just, could, I could talk. I could talk about takes him. going yeah. on. I'm I not going to interrupt. Yeah, we're, we're just steamrolling you here. Um, 
But one other thing I just wanted to bring up about Brock Faber in that game one, game one of 82, remember? Game one of 82. Folks. Yep. Um, the time on ice. Mm-hmm. Guess who led our team on time on ice game one? Was it Faber? It was Faber. Yeah. Yeah. Dean, so, like, Dean trusts him, and that's huge. That's huge. Because Dean, Dean, I feel like, don't trust nobody. No. You know, don't. like, I, I actually He's... see, I saw Dean at the golf course this this summer, oh, actually. Uh, we played at, um, what is it called? The Royal. Oh, um, yep. On Woodbury. That's yep. kind of like the Wild's home course yes. or whatever. Yeah, very nice course. And uh, my buddy's like, dude, that's Dean. I was like, nah. And sure enough, it was Dean. So my buddy, I didn't know what to do, right? I was just kind of like watching him drive away in his nice Jeep or whatever. My buddy's like, yeah, go wild, blah, blah, blah. And Dean's just like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> you know, not knowing who that is. But like, you don't trust nobody. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting to see him trust Faber in game one right off yep. the bat. And, and I'm going to add one more thing. Uh Marcus Johansson, that that interference call, or that I didn't think it was, it should have been called, but it was when he got hurt. Guess who was the first one that went in? Brock Faber. I had and, that in my notes. Him. Yeah, I was actually guess, impressed. Guess, yeah, guess who went right in? Yeah, I was impressed to yeah. see Brock jump up in there and do that. You got to think some of the younger guys that are new to the league, they might not want to jump in there. And I'm not quite sure who hit him and got him hurt or whatever, but I'm sure it wasn't just some little piddly dude on the ice. It's probably a beefier guy. Johansson's a big dude, and he got hurt. You don't want to see that happen, but I was impressed. I, even, I literally have it in my notes. Faber's first goal, I was sad to see Dumba go, but like to see Brock Faber jump up into his place and really kind of attest to that role that he had played. Then also he stepped up for Johansson in the third period, which I thought was a huge testament to him going yeah, and forward. That, and that just goes to show you, like you said in previous episode, like the leadership, you know, Felino, yep. you got Hartman, you got all these good veterans, and, you know, the young players are, you know, they, they love to love to see that. Absolutely. All right, so talking about game one still, somebody that I was super impressed with, number 14, Eric Sinek. Uh, I think he gets a lot of credit, but also he gets a lot of crap uh, for what he kind of goes through and what he deals with. But I was very impressed game one. Uh, solid offensive stats. Talk about one thing for the game in general, though. The Minnesota Wilds face-off percentage was garbage. Has been since we lost uh, Miko Koivu. Have not found that face-off man, that number one center that we need. However, Eric Sinek, first game, 52.9% face-off win percentage. I'm not quite sure how that stacks up in the league, but I was pretty impressed to see that. Also, some other stats for Game 1. He had a goal and an assist. All, all in Game 1, a two-point game for Game 1 of the season. Uh, I'm not too upset about that. Kyle, what do you uh, what do you got to say about Eck there, buddy? Yeah, I, I think we all miss Erickson Eck, especially in the playoffs last year. That, I mean, that really killed us. I mean... Like you know, you just go through that Dallas. You know they they won every draw, and Eric Sinek by far is our best guy. So no, he looked fantastic yesterday. Um, didn't miss a beat. Same player, feisty, gets in the dirty areas, and big body. I love I love the line that he's on, um, with with Boldy and and Johansson. I think I think that line can do some damage, and that's probably right now. Probably the best, in my opinion, the best line. Right really? Now. Yeah. Okay. 100%, yeah. I like it. What do you think about the other two guys in the line, real quick? What do you think about the other two, Boldy and Johansson? How do you think they handled first game one? Not, I, game one. I I thought they were the best line. Uh, sure. Johansson and Boldy, you know, they can dish the puck so well. Um, Johansson, so he, he's very under. He's an underrated skater. He, people don't realize how fast he is coming into the zone. A lot of the times, you know, the defense, the other teams are like, what the fuck? Yeah. And he'll just, like, go right in. And, you know, he not very underrated player. Um, it, I, I just want him to stay healthy because I think his whole career has been, you know, he gets 
gets hurt a little bit and has a setback, you know, but if he's, you know, if he's ready or if he's healthy, you know, he's, it's not a bad, he's not a bad player and he's pretty, he's pretty solid, you know? So I, I like it. I like that line. Who else do you like on the wild so far this season there, Kyle? You had some uh, pretty hot takes about uh, one of the newest guys here that put on a couple of pounds in the offseason. Who do you got? Uh, Mar- Marco Rossi um, stood out to me. He looked way more comfortable than he did. And I don't even know how many games he played last year, but it was probably like four or five. Um, obviously, I I didn't like this. He started on like the fourth line, I think, like last year. And with his skill set, in my opinion, he should have been at least – at least in the third, the third line minimum, or else just put him in Iowa and just have him, you know, just play that full season. And, you know, he, he had a really good year down there and he looks way more comfortable. He's gained a few pounds. He's not getting knocked off the puck easily. He's going into the corners. He's coming up, you know, away with the puck and and that goal too, that got waved off earlier. He, you know, he, that's a skilled play right there. Uh, t- he like held onto the puck, made a little move, held it, wait, waited for Bobrovsky to move, you know, cross, and it, it was a beautiful goal. It, I, you know, that takes a lot of skill. Uh, the skill wasn't a question. It was always, you know, the he just got knocked off the puck, and right now he looks damn good. And the Wild need that right now. They need that center. They need they needed him to be what he was drafted for what he should be right? what he should be right yeah so but he look he looks damn good and i'm very excited um for this year to see what he has yeah you can tell he kind of calmed down a little bit the game's maybe lack of better terms slowing down a little bit for him he's able to see the ice a little bit better um so i i completely agree with you i guess we'll see you know how how he shapes up as we move along with the season um I did want to mention one thing about Marcus Foligno. There's a lot of Wild fans that actually hate Foligno. I I don't know, I don't know why. I think it's more or less the money he's getting paid. They're expecting him to put pucks in the net. Well, you know, a few, I don't know, a couple seasons ago, he was putting a lot of points on the board. Well, that's because he had to, right? We didn't really have nobody else yet. Like Kirill was kind of just getting into the league, kind of just figuring it out. Um, but we have other guys now surrounding him, Hartman, um, Carell, Zuccarello. I mean, there's other guys that will put the puck in the net. So now I think you're starting to see him kind of fall into this role of more of the enforcer, which is what we need. And, you know, we brought on Patrick Maroon as well to kind of help out with that because Felino can't do it all on his own. So one thing I did want to mention for game one is that Felino had seven hits, um, the next highest hit total on our team that game was two. So Felino's definitely bringing some of the pound, uh, the, the only <laughs> for thing, lack of better terms. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I didn't like about Felino's, there there was one, I, you remember that penalty that, you know, we all know who Tuchuk is. Right. He, he's an antagonizer. Like yeah. he, he, he gets under opponent's skin like crazy. But yeah, that, that penalty, even though it was kind of garbage like you still can't like people wanted a a dive from to chuck but like in my opinion it was it was interference like you can't do that anyway so i i I just want him to calm down a little bit um and not get a penalty because that's what kind of you know 
with a team like Florida, they can put the puck in the net with their power play. I mean, they, they're stacked up front. So that, that that's my only criticism about Felino. I, I love him as a person. He's a very great leader. Um, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, so I, I think to your point there, I love Felino as well. I'm disappointed that he put himself in that position, right? Obviously, end of the game, you're fighting for your goaltender at that point, right? You just I don't know how many minutes were left in the game when he got that embellish or that, that uh, interference or whatever they called it there. Uh, I agree with you, though. Definitely should have gotten an embellishment on, on to Chuck's side of things. I'm disappointed that that wasn't called. Obviously, everybody in the arena, I was here at the Wilds home rink, so they're going to obviously cheer for the home team, but... Uh, it, it was obvious that he barely got bumped or got kind of nudged a touch, and then he just dove, which disappointing, but also to your point, Tuchuk is that kind of player. Yeah. He's kind of a, a greasy, weird dude that just does what he can to, yeah. to help his team, and I don't and it, fault yeah. him, but... It was a dive, but, like, you still can't make that hit. I mean, it, it was if it wasn't a... It, it would be interference for me. Like, that, you could have had it yeah. be an interference call, um, but... Either, way, either was... way, like he, he I, I kind of want him to stay out of the BS, especially with Chachak. I mean, we all know who he is, so. Right. Very scrappy dude. All right, moving on to the second game of the Minnesota Wild season. It was Minnesota Wild at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Unfortunately, the Wild fell by three in a game seven to four. It clearly was the Austin Matthews show. We'll get into that for sure. Um, Gustafson. A pretty decent game, but we'll talk about him in a little bit as well. Um, pretty overall, just an interesting back and forth ping pong match, Kyle. Right? Yes. Um, what do you? What are you? What are your overall thoughts on that game? Obviously, good stuff to see, some bad stuff to see. I know you got some hot takes. Talk me through what you saw, quick. Yeah, I, I thought there there was a there's actually quite a few. You know, I, I was there's a couple points that intrigue me in this game, but yeah, the. You know, Toronto is just so stacked up front. I mean, you, you put them on the power play. You know, they got Nylander, Tavares, um, Matthews. Uh, who, um, why am I spacing out here? But um, who is he? Who is he uh, you got Domi. No, not Domi, but like. <laughs> um, but no, any, anyways, they're just stacked up front. You put them on the power play. It's, it's not even fair. Like, uh, I don't really blame Gus on those power play um goals i mean there's just not not much you can do there it's uh, almost automatic it, it, it power is play. you, you mentioned got that. a sniper with you know matthews he's got six goals in two games like back-to-back hat tricks you, you, i mean that's just it's it's unbelievable but yeah they're they're just they're just stacked up front and you know it, it's hard to stop that matthews came out firing uh what'd you see from Kirill? would this game Kevin yeah so obviously Matthews and Carrillo the kind of the number one and number one player for both teams there uh one of the big things that I saw from Kaprizov that I'm getting just absolutely dumbfounded by is every time he's got a breakaway he'll break into the zone and just stop before the circle and then wait for support last season when Kaprizov was doing crazy numbers he would take that in he'd body the guy next to him and he'd push to the net go for a penalty try to get somebody to take him out whatever the case was. This happened four or five times over the first two games, and it's driving me crazy. I get you want to pull up and get help, but, dude, take it to the net. You're freaking Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, that's an interesting take there. Um, yeah, there, there, there's, a, there's a lot of times he did that. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I wish one-on-one, -on -one, it's so hard to, you know, it's, it's hard to not take the puck away from him because he's so good. Uh, 
I, I do wish he kind of held on to the puck and like just did his own thing a little bit. Like maybe circle around the and that like, you know, he he did. Like we're used to seeing. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're used to seeing. But at the same time, uh, I don't I don't think I hate it as much as you do. I, I think, I mean, how there was a lot of times where he would just uh, pat, like he, he'd make the open pass. Like it was, a it was, I mean, we had, I think that was middle. He passed it to Middleton, uh, Goose. Uh, both, both, by the way, had really rough games, but they they fanned on it. They they didn't even get a shot off. It's not Kirill's. I don't I don't blame Kirill for that. Uh, I, I I thought he made the right play, but at the same time, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see him be more aggressive, take the puck in a little bit more, find, you know, make make a a wild play like we used to see a little bit more, but. Make a wild play, no pun intended. Yeah, right? no, no pun intended there. Ooh, but boom, boom, boom. Just came out, <laughs> but, just came out like that. But I, I get what you're saying about Kirill, and actually I didn't really notice that right away, but now that you mention it, um, I, I know what you're saying, and I'm curious if it's a, more of maybe he's growing as, as an all-around player, you know, knowing that he can't do it by himself. Now, to your point, Kyle, like, yeah, he pulled up, passed it out, and now we fanned on the shot, or now we didn't get any shot on goal at all. So... I, I get what you're saying, so I I don't know. That's that'll be an interesting thing to look forward to in the next three games this week and kind of see if anything changes there or what. Um, but for me, it's more I don't know. It's more of a maybe the growth of Kirill. Um, I could see that, but at the same time, I I don't really blame him for it. If if anything, the ones the one I blame is, you know, Middleton and Goose for not corralling the puck and getting, getting a shot on that because they were open passes sure. for the most part. Sure. But yes, I want to, I want to see Kirill be more aggressive with the puck. That, But uh, one thing I will say about Kirill these first two games is he's all over the ice, but in a good way. The dude is a puck magnet, whether he's mm-hmm. got the puck on a stick or he's, he's back checking. I don't know. Like, the dude is all over the ice, so I, I can appreciate that. It's not like it's not like Ovechkin, what five years ago, where the team would enter like the Capitals' defensive zone and Ovechkin would just come strolling in, yeah. late as hell. Like at least Kirill's in it and he's trying to get the puck back. So it's it's good to see this early in the season. Right. I think to your point there, Smell too. So first game, Kaprizov had four shots on goals, a goal and an assist. Second game, the one we're talking about right now, he had an assist and two shots on goals. So you're on goal. So you, to your point about him being a puck magnet, I don't disagree with that at all. I'm, I'm happy to see him do that. I just, I just wish we'd see. As stupid as it sounds, I'd love to see the the Kaprizov laps around the around the zone. Just see him take a little bit more of that time to really kind of lock in and find the right pass to make versus these blind BSs through the slot and then he just get taken and thrown away. Because when he would do his, I don't know, speed circles, we'll yeah, call them, last year. Because yeah. he's so fast. He's quick. He's so fast. And he would just, if you are a Wild fan, obviously, there's a good chance you are listening to this pod. But, you know, he would just spin around, what, two, three times before he'd make a play with the puck. Either then he'd shoot it out of nowhere yep. or he'd pass it to somebody. But you never knew when he would do it. So that, I actually liked it. It was so weird and maybe unorthodox, maybe a little bit. But you never knew what was going to happen. He I was waiting for his teammates to move, which last year, unfortunately, we saw a little bit where they would just stand around because they didn't know what, what he was doing yep. at first. And you've seen him kind of get used to it as the season progressed, but he's waiting for you guys to move, get open, you know, make a play. Yeah, I don't think he's 
in my this is my opinion, but I don't think he's the fastest skater. I, he's more shifty than fast. No, and I, yeah, I'm he, not saying he's yeah, the fastest but, skater in the no, NHL. No, no, no. But like <laughs> he, like it when you're when you're one on one, he there was a few times he didn't have momentum with the puck, but uh, at the same time, I he probably felt like well, I probably can't you know. I wish I could drive the net, but he's got me, you know, beat on this side. So I'm going to have to, I will pull up and find an open man, which he did great pass. But again, like I wish he would be a little bit more aggressive, hold on to the puck a little bit more because he can do that. He's, he's that player that can dish it out and and my, he probably has the best shot too. So why not, you know, try to at least attempt a shot because he can snipe from it from anywhere. And his passing's elite. Yeah. We is. saw it last year. Um, obviously, the season just started, but his passing is elite. He's a, he's a playmaker as well. Absolutely. I agree. However, one thing that's not as elite uh, would be the overall play of our, our first line through the first two games. And Kyle, I know that's got you a little... Uh, little worked up here so what uh what are you seeing out there yeah the first two games man they they've been passengers in my opinion uh you just need way more from your first line uh i i think i've seen enough with hartman on the first line give me rossi right now on on the first line the way even he, after two games you're still even, oh yeah even after two games give me give me rossi any day of the week right now you wouldn't move eck up to the first line nope first rossi. give him a, nope. oh nope, just rossi snap. yep Okay. Yeah, uh, I think Rossi's ready. I think he should be able to. I think he deserves the chance to be on the first line. But as we know, Dean Evison, he doesn't like to change lines as much. You know, he's he kind of just sticks. We've seen it in playoffs, and he doesn't change. He doesn't change. So I'm I'm afraid of that. But I, I think Garen this season was like, hey, we need to start playing our young guys. We need to even Addison, like leave leave him in there. But like, don't send him back down. But I, I really want Dean Evison to just start looking at the play and, you know, move Rossi up right now. He deserves that spot. So to your point about bringing Erickson Eck up to the first line, I'm actually with Kyle on that. I think that Eck, as, as great as he is as a front, as a, as a center man, I think Rossi would be a better fit on that line. I think Rossi is a little bit more nimble, a little bit more greasy if you will with the puck i feel like he's got a little bit more of a skill. finesse to his game yep. a little bit more skill versus where i love erickson Eck. i think he's more of the kind of old school koivu where he's just a solid player you know he's going to be there when you need him versus with rossi i think he might have a little bit more of that finesse that zuccarello and kaprizov might need but the question is is can he win enough draws to even make it worth his while because if you lose that draw you're going to be in the defensive zone right off the jump or you're going to be just trying to play catch the puck for the entire shift and you burn your best guys out doing nothing right right now i don't know what hartman's face-off percentage is off the top of my head but i know he's not doing that great and that's a stat where i think you can just get better overall as each year progresses we, we've seen what uh what erickson Eck can do um but yeah i i think rossi fits fits the skill up you know fits the skill level with Kirill. i i it'd be exciting it'd be really fun to watch why, why not just give it a chance and honestly you know, you have, there's really nothing to lose for it. Hartman's face-off percentage right now is 40% through the first two games, and that's against, you know, top-tier centers, most likely. Um, and then you got Rossi sitting at 42.9% through the first two games, and that's going to be against lesser-skilled lesser, lesser skilled centers. Sure. So I think to that point it is kind of a wash right now, so why not? Yeah, why not right. bring him up there, ch- check him out, 
see how he plays with Zuccarello and Kirill on the first line, which you have to think they've already been trying that in practice, trying different combinations through training camp, you would imagine. But, you know, who knows? And, and this is not a knock on Ryan Hartman, but no, he, he's not a one center. He's not a number one center. He's not, not, he's not even a number two center, in my opinion. He's a, he's a number three, number four guy permanently right now. Do you think that Everson's putting him up right now, one, because of his ability to just be a leader on the line, or just the fact that he's making all his money right now? Yeah, like Do you think he, that's part of it? Like, Dean likes the veterans. Maybe. In my, so he's going to lean toward, towards what? Oh, well, Hartman was with Kirill last year, you know? why? I'm not switching that up. But, yeah, we're seeing with, with Rossi's what, what he can do, and he, he looks like a damn good player, and I want to see it. So... Do you think it's a little too early in the season to make that kind of a major shift? No. You think just say, screw it and send it now? No, now now is when you make that type of change. When you have more time to be like, okay, well, that didn't work. Let's go back to this or let's try something different. Sure. Like now is when you start trying to figure out what's going to work for later down the road. Yes, injuries could happen and now you got to change shit up again, right? Okay, well, why not figure out who can play with each other now so when an injury does inevitably happen you know who can play with who at that point. And to be honest, that third line, it, it, you know, let's say Hartman does move down. Like, that line, that's a solid third line. Hartman, Felino, and Gaudreau, that's a solid third line. That's a great third line. I, I love that third line. That So I I really want Rossi number one, and, and I don't want to touch Eriksson-X's line. I think they work just fine together. That first line needs more mojo. That's fair. That's fair. Not Marcus Johansson, just more... Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, no, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, so That's they, fair. they they need, yeah, first, we just need more from the first That's line. That's fair. I mean, you got anything else to add about our top line struggles not about at our, the moment? Not about our top line struggles, but I, I do have something to take us into kind of our next topic here where I, I worry about the changing of lines. You guys mentioned that Dean Evison's not a big line change guy. Throughout the entire game yesterday, second and third period primarily, the assistant coach, change the defensive pairings all game long. We know for a fact that that game was a joke on our defensive pairings. Four goals against for Middleton, three goals against for Goligoski, including two penalties that resulted in a Matthews or just a goal in general. So so are we all in agreement that um, maybe one, maybe two goals are actually Gus's fault and the rest falls on our defensive play? Yeah, I don't put Gus at fault at all that game. It was definitely our defense. And when you give the Maple Leafs a power play they're probably going to score because with all that firepower all that talent up front it's just not fair and they were, they were two for three on the power yeah play. so yep. I thought they were going to go three for three to be honest yep, but for sure yeah for sure so I agree I mean looking at the defensive play I mean obviously <laughs> we're all just over here with just, just disgusted looks on just our face brutal man uh, I just I, I just I keep replaying one play in my head and it was Nylander flying down the side Erickson Eck perfectly Back checks him, does everything right, but Goligoski and Middleton both allowed themselves to be washed out of the play by um, Tavares right in front of the net. Um, I blame Goligoski a little more. Uh, you know, at least one of you should stay with Tavares in front of the net, right? At that play, it should have been Middleton. Goligoski, you need to get over there and help Eck. Eck. Eck's not your primary defensive player on that play. Get the hell over there. No, Nylander made a hell, heck of a play, right, and scored, but... 
come on, man. Like it, that was, it was it just, literally a walk, just a walk in. There's nobody home. They, they nobody just, home. Yeah, yeah. just a walk in. Like you can't allow that. And I, I think I attribute some of that to just again, you can't change your defensive pairings all game. And Russo even tweeted about it in the middle of the third or late in the second period that uh, they, they just kept changing those pairings up. And don't get me wrong, I know that Spurgeon's hurt. You lost Dumba. You got Goligoski, who was on the freaking bench or in the you know the press box all last season for most of it. So you got guys in there who are relatively new to the system, new to the the, the play style for the Wilds' defensive pairings. I was just disappointed not to see just some consistency within those. If you guys guys that are playing like crap, sit them. Let the guys that are doing well when Spur- play. When Spurgeon is back, I think Goligoski's to the box. Agreed. I, it's not Addison. Addison's going to be in, but. Because he's he's our power play, he's like our, you know, what like a uh, point guy for on the power play. Like Klingberg, he he went to Toronto, so Addison's our like top guy. I don't see I don't see him or sending him down as they shouldn't. They need to give Addison a real shot, not this. Hey, you had a, you know, bad defensive play, but on the offensive side you did okay. We're gonna send you down to Iowa. They they need to have Addison up here because they just need to see what they have in him. Like this is his year. Like Galagoski to the to the moon, and uh, the, yeah. Once Spurgeon is back, I I I've seen enough of Galagoski. Because Addison's on a one year deal, right? It's a it's kind of like a one year yeah, like deal. deal, right? Yeah, right. They so, signed him. Yeah. Right. So this is this is kind of his time to to shine yes. or like kind of prove it. Um. So I agree 100% with you on Addison. What I need to personally see from Addison is calm the hell down. He's out there. He's so – he's rigid, if that makes sense. He's so rigid and, like, robotic. Like, dude, calm down. You Play like you're supposed to be there because you've earned that opportunity. And I think he's just still playing with way too many nerves right now. He just – every time he touches a puck, he's twitchy with it. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do with it. And I think that's just experience, right? So uh, to your point, absolutely leave him up here. Leave him in the lineup. Get him more clock. He had he had the least amount of time on the ice last night for all of our defensive players, which just shows you Dean's not ready to play him, really, which him and Dean got into it multiple times last season. So I just don't want that to happen then, again. Yeah, and then you're sending Goligoski out there, like... Now, do you think that Addison's timid play, I think timid play is probably a better way to put it. Do you think that is a direct result of those conversations, we'll call them, you know, kind of air quotes, with, with, with Dean Evison? Or do you think it's part of just him in fear of being sent back down again for a slappy like Goligoski? If, if, it, if it is from because of the conversations with Dean and maybe he's a little nervous of that, no offense, but it's time to grow the F up. Yeah. You know, you're a professional hockey player. You, you need to... You need to take that criticism and turn it into fuel. Um, now, if, if he's disrespecting him personally on a, on a personal level, that's completely different. That's a problem. That's that's now that's a locker room problem as well, if that's who your coach is. But if he's just, you know, pushing him to be better by being a little bit aggressive with it, I think that's okay. And I think it's time for Addison to take that step up. That It, it could be worse somewhere else. You know, so if your plan is to like, oh, I'll just play somewhere else next year. How do you know it's going to be different? He he just needs a real shot. Like give him, just give him the season right now um, and see if it works out or not. Because right now you got nothing to lose. Like he's a, still a young, you know, player with a lot of upside. So what are we, what are we paying him for this one year? Because Smelty, oh, you and I much. talked about this last, last episode that he's in a one year prove it deal. How much is 
this tryout effectively costing the Wild right now. Because as we mentioned, we got no money to spend. And on a guy who's timid, possibly not getting a good shot, what's it's what's a million this? bucks, I think. I think it's a million bucks I think bucks it's like a that? million, yeah. I think it's right around a million. But either way, like, you just got to give him a chance. Um, 8.25. That, that is even better. I, I expect it to be more than that. So I'm not mad about that. I think 8.75 or 8.25? 8.25. 8.25 for a tryout for a year? Not a bad deal. No. But to your point, Kyle, he's got to get a shot. Yeah, he needs a shot. But also to Smelty's point, he's got to do something with it. So I think it's going to be a true test over the next few weeks uh, to see who sticks around. Because again, Spurgeon is week to week. We would expect him hopefully back, knock on wood, by maybe early November, a couple weeks coming up. That'll give him a month out in the quote-unquote week-to-week kind of timeline. Otherwise, he'd have been on long-term IR. It's a whole thing. Yeah. I think he'll probably be back in the next few weeks. Then again, to your point, I think Goligoski, back to the press box, put your suit on, hang out, bud. Addison gets to keep his chance, especially after the last game last night. Again, three goals against and two penalties that I believe at least one of those resulted in a power play or a power play goal for Toronto. I think Goligoski's gone. Not gone, gone, but like to the press yeah, box. Yeah, you know, he should. Addison, to me, like, yeah, he just needs a shot. Like, we saw it with Rossi even. Like, even the last, like 100%. last year. Like, we were, I think all of us fans were so disappointed because there was just so much hype around Marco Rossi. And that, hey, that could, you know, that could take a toll on you. Like, in, like in your mind, like the whole fan base is counting on you to be the number one center. I feel like it's kind of the same way with Addison a little bit. Well, don't forget last year too, the Wilds like media team did an entire video series on Addison and on Rossi when they got there like, hey, you better find an apartment here. You're sticking it out. Like, congratulations. Or when Garen made the joke to Addison, like, how does number two sound or something to that effect? Yeah. Or he's like, that sounds like an actual number because you're here to stay. And then what, four or six weeks later, his ass was back in Iowa again, yeah, hanging so. out with the slappies down there. Like, I, I just, I, there's a lot of pressure on both of them. Yep. But I think Rossi, I think, is built different this season. Oh, And I, I think guess. he's ready to play. And I think Addison needs to just buck up and to, t- to spout to your point, man up and just be there. You're there. You know, the first game wasn't, I mean, he didn't look great, but I thought the second game it was a little bit better. Um, but I, to be honest, the second game was just a, a train wreck for a lot of pl- of our players. So, I mean, Toronto's a good team. Don't get me wrong, but I I, I still think I still believe in Addison. I I still think he'll be a uh, a good player in my yep. opinion. So we'll see if he makes it past this season, right? Yeah, I I kind of hope prove so. a deal. One final thing that I want to talk about real fast here for the second game that I saw is Ryan Reeves made an appearance that was pretty easily felt across the entire Minnesota lineup. Uh, obviously, Revo just left the Wild last season. I love to see him with the Wild, but also you hate to see him on the bench across from you or next to you, right? So a couple of things there. First hit, or excuse me, first period, double hits. Same shift. He ran right through Rossi, right up against the boards, crunched him. Thankfully, Rossi got up, no problems. Second, right after, about 10 seconds later, he ran through 89, uh, Freddie Gaudreau, and he went out for the rest of the first period. Did not look good. Right after the second hit, who did we talk about before? Marcus Foligno. He came in, took care of business, a little scrap for the ages there between the two of them. Um, I just disappointed to see our guys getting crumbled like that. But with Reeves on the bench next to you, you kind of have to expect some rough and stuff, rough stuff. Yeah, you know it's going to happen, right? And then Foligno coming in immediately dropping gloves. I think that was a good sight to see. Yes. Wasn't scared. No. He immediately was like, okay, let's go then. And it was a good scrap. It wasn't like a little baby fight. That was a scrap. 
No, those are two big boys going in there. So yeah, I didn't think the the hits were. I mean, obviously you don't want to see those against our players, but they they were clean hits. Like the second hit was close. No, nah, well, Goudreau had his head down, and like he, he, it was it wasn't a dirty hit in my opinion at, at no, all. No, but I'm he saying it, it was it. close to an elbow to the head, though. Yeah. Like he aimed it up that way, and that's just who Revo is. That's him. We loved having him on our team last year he because he because he would do the dirty yeah, shit, I, you know. Yeah, that's like, just who he is. It's just a, it's a hockey play there, in my opinion. But like. Yeah, it's crazy how you go from buddies, best friends to enemies in in a year. But like at the same, I, I bet off like you know if, if let's take hockey out for a second, I bet they're still friends. Like it's yeah. crazy how you can just oh yeah, let's just let, yeah let's fucking go, let's drop the gloves. Like yeah. That- so to that point, Kyle, there was an article that Russo wrote last night about the game, and Russo even talked about how Freddie Gaudreau, his kids, had talked about Ryan Reeves and like, are you guys friends? He's like, yeah, we're still friends. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's on the ice. You guys are enemies because that's what you're there for. That's why you're making a million bucks a year, making a good bit of money per year. But off the ice, you separate that. It's just the same thing as separating personal life and work life. It's the same concept, except for these guys are obviously beating the shit out of each other. So a little bit of a different situation there. But enough about Ryan Reeves and those hits. Thankfully, Freddie Goudreau did come back. And uh, obviously had a pretty solid game. Great job on the faceoff dot when Rossi got pulled out. But I know Kyle, you want to talk about Rossi a little bit? Yeah, What'd Rossi, you see? man, he's looking he's looking real comfortable. I I I said it before, but yeah, put him on the first line right now. He he deserves it. He's he's actually probably he's playing like our best forward right now, in my opinion. Even with Kirill in, like he's he's you you notice him when he has the puck when he's battling. Like just give him a shot. I thought like his goal. Um, I mean. I couldn't be any more ha- like I couldn't be ha- more happy. First uh, career for, goal for him. First for him. career, yeah. First career NHL goal. Finally, um, well, even though he got uh, he did technically score last game. That was a beautiful goal, but no offsides this time. No offsides this time. I'm glad he got the. It just it just seems like he exit like exhaled. Like there's no monkey on his back anymore. Like it's just now he's just he's just sailing away here. But yeah, like. That play a lot, and let's just—it was a bad game, but like let's just talk about the positives here. Like I, I thought Faber again was fantastic, plus three, and we lose seven four. Um, but Faber was great. Fa- Fa- yeah, he's the one that made that 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 goal, like on the Rossi's first goal. Like you see him driving into the zone. Like that's that's what you need. Um, to I mean, we don't have a high octane offense, like in my opinion so but what we do have is some really good mobile defensemen that can get up in the play that can skate well that can cover back like we have a really good well obviously this game wasn't our bottom I was gonna say two. They, they just gotta play two, defense yeah but you you yeah, have Spurgeon you put Spurgeon back in and it's a little bit of a yeah, different yeah, story yeah it's a top in my opinion top five defense but Faber man like just a stud already just he he was fantastic again him and Brodine I'll, yeah, I'll say it again best defensive pair in minnesota wild history so um but yeah uh a very impressive night for from both of them i thought even though it was a 7-4 loss talking about faber real quick his one of his first shifts he just absolutely looked like a monster went all the way down the boards left hand side hit the blue line by the the goal line there and then just came back a little greasy tuck and almost had a goal on his own just missed getting a little elevation on that. I even thought to myself when he was like doing the play when it happened at like the replay. I'm like, dang, if he could have gotten that puck up on edge just a touch, he was like an inch below the top of the goalie's pad. That could have been a greasy yeah. single-handedly goal right there. You're talking about mobile defensemen. That's his 
first one of the first shifts of the game for the kid. I was happy with that, 100%. Well, and that play just shows you the sheer speed he actually possesses, you know. Kids so, are easy. So I think he's going to catch a lot of teams off guard that just don't know really know who he is yet, and they won't. Um, but I think... They will. If he's I, just... Yeah. They no, will. No they doubt. will now. <laughs> no, no doubt, no doubt. And I, I think if, like, if he's bringing the puck into the zone, all of a sudden he can just flip a switch, turn on the Jets, and get around the corner. Uh, they're going to have to be ready for that. It's going to be tough. Opponents need to be really prepared for that. I think that's, you know, going talking about being prepared for that. Let's talk about next next week's games, right, boys? One, one more thing here. Go ahead, Kyle. What do you got? But, yeah, F- Faber, uh, I think Brodine's point totals this year will increase a lot. Like, probably the, he'll probably have one of the best seasons uh, statistically because of what Faber can bring. And they, they, they're both very similar players. I think Brock has a little bit more offensive skill, but I love seeing those two jump in the play. Like, I've been waiting for Brodeen to get up there because I know how well he can skate, but this is just exciting to see. The top two players in plus-minus on the team right now, Brock Faber, Jonas Brodeen. Yeah, not surprising. That's, I mean, that's awesome. It's good to see. As much as I love Dumba, I know that, that Brodeen had to take a backseat a little bit because he had to kind of be there and be home in case Dumba made a goofy play. Right. And again, we talked about that last episode. I'm a diehard Dumba fan. Good for dude, though. Got a goal in game one of you know the Coyote season. Love to see yeah, it. Very happy but for him. Talk about... Uh, I, had, I had to throw <laughs> it in there. You just had to sneak it in. I did, boys. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm happy for him. So that's, I'm that's sorry. awesome. Me too. He's got a good... Uh, good environment down there in Arizona. Yeah. I know it's weird environment, but it's good for him. A little fresh start. Yeah. Well, talking about fresh starts, let's talk about next week's games, boys. we got three games in the slate coming up. First big game coming up this week at the Montreal Canadiens. Next, we've got home against the Kings and home against the Blue Jackets. Talking about back in the days of Bruce Boudreau, his theory was you want to win the week. we got three games coming up. I know, Kyle, you mentioned you'd like to see at least two wins out of that. Kyle, what are you looking forward this week? Yeah, I I want to see it. Well, three would be great, but the, of course. yeah, the Kings are Kings are tough. But I think the Wild can come up with four four out of the six. I I I at least want them to, but uh, points. Oh, oh, oh yeah, okay, four, four out, of, out, the six, out of the six. I was like, six wow, points, I'm yeah. looking at the wrong week. Or no, we, we both and, looked and at I, you like, what are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, I, okay, that makes sense. And I want Rossi on the first line. That's what I want to look for. And I'm really curious because he he made a I think he made a look a, an impression on Dean and I, I hope it comes true like because he, he deserves a shot and why not you know we'll have to see what happens coming up this week Smelcy what do you want to see from the boys in green this week I'm going to go ahead and agree with Kyle I think we get four out of the six points available with an L coming to the Kings um, <clears throat> I think the Canadians we should be able to beat them pretty handily I think you got to watch out for um, oh what's his name Cole Caulfield yeah, um, he's okay. You know, he's small. He can knock him off the puck. Yeah, he's a young guy though. He's he's yeah. uh, he's uh, he's an up and comer. That's why I said look out for him. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of speed, so just keep an eye out. Um, other than that, is that all they have at? Really, I mean, at, truly, like, truly. I I'm kind of spacing out on their roster for some reason. That's uh, that's about it, bro. They got Shane Monahan. Sean uh, Monahan or Sean? My bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, See, so Sean Monahan and. Uh, Cole Caulfield. Yeah. Yeah, that's should... some guy named uh, uh, Alex Newhook. I don't know oh, him very Colorado. well. Oh, he's from Colorado. Yeah. Okay. I, for- I forgot about that. So he's yeah, there. He's solid. Um, We're talking about the Kings still. Uh, no. no, Montreal. 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 Yeah. Okay. Montreal. Uh, but yeah, nothing. Nothing. They. That's... They. they sh- I don't even know defensively. Nothing that scares me defensively. Um... <laughs> nah. Nah. 
That, uh, nothing that, again, that really scares me all yeah, that they much. Should, they should win that game. Uh, their top line, defensive line, looks pretty decent. But other than that, okay. I think yeah, we're it's, okay. It's very um, Goalie-wise, they got an aging Jake Allen. or Yeah, Jake Allen, right? That's his name? Not Yeah. Aging Jake Allen. Um, I, I'm not too concerned with, with Montreal. Yeah, that so that should be a win. Uh, the Kings could be a little tougher, right? Yeah. We Our former wild player, Fiala, already off to a hot start. And like you alluded to earlier, they still have Anze Kopitar. I mean, I think... Byfield. If anything's going to be tough, it'll it'll be the Kings. Um, yeah, they got a solid squad. I think their goaltending is the only sus spot right now. They have uh, Copley and Talbot back there. Obviously, we know Talbot pretty well, um, but he's streaky. He's streaky, and it can be a positive streak or a negative streak. So Absolutely. I'm not too concerned with, with that, but um, I don't know. The Kings are going to be tough. What do you think about Columbus, boys? I think Columbus is a win. I think Columbus is struggling a little bit, <clears throat> but um, I think they're kind of in. Be- I think they're not rebuilding, but close to it. Kind of similar to us in a way of like not a full quote unquote admitted rebuild, but right. some some progress being made, some moves being made. And so you guys think? So that should be a win. You guys think easy win against Canadians? Yep. Easy win against Blue Jackets. Kings may be tough. We'll see how that pans out. I think Montreal could be a tougher game than the Blue Jackets. Really? Okay. I, I, I think Montreal's trying to come out of the dumpster, but I think they're still there. Sure. But I think they're, I don't know. I, I Just get at least four out of the six. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll, I'll yep. take it. Yep. Okay. So now the, the question I pose to you guys is, after seeing Gustafson with a shutout in the last game of the preseason, shutout game one of the season, then just getting kind of slapped around pretty hard by Matthews and the the Maple Leafs. Going forward into the next few games, who do you start? I think it's Flurry. I think you start Flurry game one against Canadians. Well, I, yeah, I think. Well, no, next game for sure. I think it's Flurry. I, okay. I don't think it's. I think it's a no brainer to be honest. Sure. Give Gus a rest. I mean, seven goals. I mean, n- none of those were his fault. Or maybe, a maybe maybe one or two. Yeah. The game certainly didn't fall on on, on Gus, but. It's it's gonna be a flurry in that next game, um, okay. In my opinion, just just give Gus a little bit of a break okay. for and then start him um, the following game. So yeah, I agree. I think Flurry gets a start against Montreal. I think if Flurry gives up two or less goals in Montreal, screw it. Go ahead, start him against a good team against the Kings. See what he's gonna look like, um, and then kind of make your decision for the third game from there. Sure. I think if Flurry starts the next two, then Gus definitely gets game three of the week. Okay. Um, but I think if Flurry just does not look good against the Canadians, let's say we still squeak out the win, but he just doesn't look good, I think Gus gets a start against the Kings. Okay. And probably the Blue Jackets. And you sure. start seeing him take on that more number number one role. I think Flurry's going to have a short leash this this year, and he's definitely the number two option yes, and he's for old. us. I, I, yeah, so he, yeah, he yeah, is getting Gus old. is your number one, hands down. He'll probably get, I'm going to guess it's going to be an 80-20 split really? this year. Do you see? Or 70-30. But yeah, very high on, on Gus being in that. Do you see a contender that might need a backup goalie trading for a flurry at all? Well, we talked about that a little bit last episode, I think, right. as a touch about he may not stick around for the while. And then, you know, also the side of things is like, if this is his last year in the league, you'd think he'd go somewhere he's got some, some I guess, reputation or whatever, so he can possibly retire in a, in a team where 
he spent a good bit of his time? Do you think maybe he does one of those moves, or does he just Possibly. say screw it and goes where the money is? I feel like if he would go anywhere, it would be Pittsburgh, to be okay. honest, and just and have a last final run. But a little hoorah, a little hoorah. But yeah, I don't really see unless there, you know, there's injury. I mean, I, I think Garen and, and Fleury are very tight, so yeah, I, I think. Garen, would it be like, hey, what do you think about this possibility? Sure. Um, but if you know, if he says no, I'm I'm comfortable here. I don't see him moving. No, anywhere. No, so. yeah. And I was just saying, like, I, I don't know. I see yeah. him here. Um, but if he does get traded, I don't see us. I think the only move then we would make is bring up Zane McIntyre for the rest of the year, which I don't think is a super amazing move for us. Which is why I think maybe McIntyre we would be Wallstead. We would not bring up Wallstead yes, this year. Yes, we would. Hundred percent. Why? 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 He's got like a nine a ninety percent save. Zach, you're not going to start McIntyre. Are you? Are you nuts? Yeah. Are you? Are you? Are you unless, nuts? Right unless now? unless we're going for Who? a cup. I didn't unless even know he going... was on our roster. Like not, a roster. I, I think he's Absolute. the second goalie. No, he's not. Or no, he's not. We'll save that. We'll save that. The for second another goalie day, on but... the Iowa Wild. I'm no. Saying. Yeah, McIntyre is nowhere to be found. I'm not on, saying he's on, good. On, well, no. Where did I say he no, was good? He's not. No, he's not going to be on the roster. He's not going to be on the Minnesota Wilds roster. He is right now. No, it's going to be Wallstead. If if yes, hundred percent. There's absolutely no way McIntyre gets the nod before Walsh. I think you leave Walsh. We'll, say, we'll say this. For I, I know. Time, I'm saying. I think but you that leave Walsh. That's probably one of the dumbest takes I've heard today. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I love you and all, but that's man, fun. that McIntyre. Oh my goodness, man. That's fine. But Over why would Wallstead? why would you bring up Walstead when you're not even competing for a cup? Why? Because we talked about this last well, episode where you leave Walstead down there. Yeah, Walstead will be in easily. I, I just a I don't see us actually trading Flurry. No, I a, don't. But but if we do, I don't think we bring up Wallstead. I think you leave him down there for the entire AHL season and let him get his more experience. He's twenty years old. He, he's not Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky came up because he was goal, good at his age. Right now, Wallstead is the best goalie prospect in in the in the world. Right sure, now, in the sure. world. I don't care what his age is. Age is just a number. You're seeing. 18-year-old. What's Connor Bedard? 18? He's the first line. He's not a goalie. Well, He's no. not a goalie. Goalies are different, I know, but Wall said right now is the best if you look, on the planet. And I know or this is just goalie on And the I planet. know this is just all numbers and stuff, but if you look at statistically, goalies don't hit their prime until they're 27, 28 years old. I just don't want to come too early with them. Uh he did just fine in preseason though. He did. So, he did. Well, look at the Wilds. Notorious feat of bringing up people before they're ready to go. Look at what the Rossi last season, Kalen Addison last season, they got brought up, made this whole big funk we talked about earlier, and they got sent back down because they weren't ready for it. So Tyler's point in the first episode is that you got to let these guys sit and kind of fester a little bit yeah, and kind of develop Garrett, a little bit Garrett more. likes to bake them like cookies. They but, like, yeah. He likes to sit. He likes to, you know, wait. He likes to cook the prospects in the system for a while. But right now, Wallstead is is all pretty much ready. He's pretty much ready. There's no denying he's good. I'm no, not no, I'm not denying not that good, by any but means. No, he's ready. He's ready. Maybe if we're he's maybe ready. if we're leading our division, a top team in the conference, okay, maybe you can bring him up then to pair with Gus. Yeah, you would But I just Gus. I just I don't see him playing in the NHL this year for us unless something really crazy happens. The only way they he does get a shot as if as if Flurry is gone, which I don't see. So it would it would be next year anyway, and then he's up. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. Only one way to find out, right? Hopefully we just don't have that bad of a season. And to be honest, right now, I think Walstead's better than Flurry. If not yeah. better oh, than yeah. Gustafson, honestly. That, that take, yes. Honestly, Walstead he could is, be better than Gustafson. Walstead is better than Flurry. that's too much Fleury. pressure for a 20-year-old, so that's why he's not yeah, on the no. roster. But he, right now, I think Walstead could be better than Gus. No, he... Oh, better than Gus. Gus, yeah. yeah. I, both goalies on the roster right now, he's probably better than both of them. The reason why he's not on the roster is because he's 20, and we have two vets right now. Or not vets. I don't know how old Gus is, but Flurry, you're not going to send Flurry down. You're not going to send Gus down. They've been here last year. So right. they were here I, last year. So, yeah, the only the only way this happens is if Flurry gets traded, traded yeah. and then you have that uh, – Talks. So. Yeah, and I'm not seeing, you know, Wallstead. I'm not saying Wallstead won't be up here until the Parisi or Suter contracts oh, are no. over. He'll be here next but, year. But, I, you know, it could be a small factor, right? Like, I, I agree with you. He'll be up here next year oh. because Flurry's contract's done. Who else are you going to bring up? That's your time to bring up Wallstead at that point. And then, who knows who's going to be the number one tendy? They're going to have to battle it out, and it's going to be a Dean call. And my gut tells me Dean will go with Gus because of his veteran, you know, unless. That's where B- BG gets in his ear, like, nope, it's it's the Jesper show now. Well, but that's a, you know that's a next season yeah. thing. I agree with you. Even, there. even Dean, well, even like last year, it was kind of well, it was more Gus. It was more the Gus show, but there it wasn't like Gus was starting every game. It was like flurry this, you know. It was a toss up between the two, which hurt us. Which yeah, hurt us. Which hurt us. Yeah. You, Ultimately, it hurt us yeah. because nobody. 100- could take that number one spot and be, I don't know. I think that hurt us ultimately, like splitting it as much yeah. as they did. Yep. For, but for playoff, uh, I I mean, yeah, you, you, you roll with the hot goalie. You roll with the hot goalie. Yeah. No, that's all I got about the matter, Kev. <laughs> what you got over there? There's a lot going on over here. Those are some hot takes for sure. But uh, with that, boys, I think this is a fantastic episode. Kyle, it was incredible to have you back, dude. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Uh, Smelty, as always, love to have you back, buddy. Good to see you. Um, with that, boys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rinkside Chirps on Banning with the Boys. We'll be back next week talking about the three games we just kind of mentioned before. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Keep in, uh, keep, uh, keep listening on. Yeah, please, if you guys got something to say, throw it in the comment section. I'd li- I love, I, I want to see feedback. Um, I, I like, I like to answer. I'd like to share the comments on here. It'd be, it'd be really fun. Yeah. I'd also like to share the comments. Go ahead and you can message us on Facebook too. follow our page on Facebook. That'd probably be the easiest way to leave a comment or on our YouTube page would be easy as well. Um, yeah, we'd love to bring some of those comments in here, especially if it's going to get Kyle and I heated or something. Um, bring it in. Let's, let's debate it. Absolutely. Well guys, thanks again for your time this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe. Tune in next time for more banter with the boys.